0: Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Seattle's Eastside Real Estate Podcast, the podcast dedicated to living and working on the Eastside. It is Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021, and we are now live. So thanks for joining us. If you are joining us, if you pop over and you see what we're doing and you like it, Feel free to share it on Facebook and any comments are welcome, although let's keep it positive, right? That's the idea. Um, if you don't like it, go watch somebody else's podcast. I'm just kidding, but also too, if you wanna see future or past podcasts, you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel at the EastsideRealEstateTeam.com on YouTube. You can also subscribe anywhere uh, podcasts are podcasted. So Google Podcast, um, Apple Podcast, all of the above. We've got a really good show today. We're going to be talking about contingencies and finances. And in that vein, we also have a special guest, Vanessa Leitenberger, with Mindfully Smart Finance to discuss why you may need a financial coach in your corner, in your circle. But before we get to that, let's start with some real talk. Now, we are in a very competitive market. We've talked about that on past podcasts, how there are um, at a ridiculously low amount of inventory, great aggressive interest rates for long-term mortgages, and then um, a lot of buyers, a lot of folks that are looking to stop paying someone else's mortgage to stop renting. So it's created an environment that is very competitive. And today we're going to actually, I'm going to do a quick screen share. I want to share with you, um, it's called a um, financing contingency. So I'm actually going to take a second to get it set up, and I'm going to share my screen with you and just kind of explain to you. So when negotiating contracts, one of the uh, items that you insert into a contract um, are called addenda. And you can add to our boilerplate five-page purchase and sale contract numerous addendas for all kinds of things. Financing contingency is one inspection contingency, most common, title contingency is another, well inspection contingency is another, septic tank contingencies. And essentially what these all mean, these all mean that your offer to purchase this house is contingent on satisfying any of the information that is in that addenda. So in front of us, we have um, the Form 22A financing addenda. I'm not going to go line by line on this, but I am going to show you that this is where a buyer protects themselves in the event of problems aligned with financing. So what a buyer will do is they'll first specify the type of loan that they're going to get. Then they're going to um, specify how they're going to make application and how they're going to inform the seller of their progress. Then they're going to um, write in here whether or not the seller is going to be contributing loan cost provisions or a credit for closing costs is what that is in layman's terms. In addition to that, there's the provision to allow an an appraiser to inspect the property. And then there's a whole mechanism here for an appraisal Uh, with regards to the financing. Now, this is the most complicated part and the one that I want you to um, take away is when you purchase a house that's contingent on financing, it is relying on the bank to actually finance the portion that you're not putting down. So in the previous part, paragraph one, when you specify the type of loan type that you're taking, you also specify how much cash you're putting down. So let's say your plan is to put 20% down and it's a million dollar house. Well, that would mean that you're putting $200,000 cash down and the bank is going to finance you for 800,000. So if a bank's going to finance you at 800,000, they need to make sure that, they're, that the home appraises for a million dollars. So they hire an independent agency and they, that independent agency has a, a bank of appraisers that basically go out, appraise the home and send that valuation back. This paragraph here states that if the appraisal doesn't come back, there are four different pieces of remedy that the seller can, um, uh, can use. So the first thing that has to happen is a buyer would announce to the seller that they have a low appraisal. The four options that the seller has is A, or one, reappraise. Two, reduce the price. C, come to a compromise in price. Or I guess four paragraph, I was doing letters and now mixing letters and numbers. I'm sorry, it's horrible, bad, bad down. Anyways, four is for the seller to uh, say, we just reject it outright. Now, many buyers would be concerned that they'd be losing their earnest money. But if they actually have this paragraph enacted in their transaction and this happens, it protects their earnest money. So that down payment that you put in earnest or uh, in an escrow account to hold it, that if any of these things happen within these timelines, that earnest money comes back to them. So the, let's say a seller says, you know what? We're going to go ahead and reduce the purchase price, but we're not going to reduce it all the way down to the, say, $950,000. Then a buyer would have the choice to come up and meet them at that price, and they would have to bring in an additional down payment funds in order to do that because the bank is only going to lend 80% value of the final appraised value. So if the buyer chooses to do that, the deal moves forward, the contingency is satisfied. If the buyer decides not to, then the house can go back on the market, the earnest money is returned to the buyer and and the uh, contract is dissolved. I don't know if that's the right legal term, but you get the idea. So anyways, that is the uh, financing contingency. There are some other provisions in here. One is if it's a VA loan, The uh, VA has to provide um, uh, the certificate for the VA borrower needs to be there. And then this last paragraph is basically in the event that there's some kind of uh, lending rate change. It protects the borrower from um, what they call predatory lending practices. So there are many more contingencies um, and I will go over those in future podcasts, but I just wanted to review this. Now, here's the, here's what you need to know is financing contingency is one of the contingencies that are being um, waived in this competitive market. Now, there are different ways to waive it. You can waive it outright. You can essentially uh, waive a portion of it. You could actually add an additional down payment so that that problem with the appraisal is already solved. And here's why uh, I'm bringing this up is because we're having such aggressive appreciation we're starting to see a lot of appraisals come in low because they can't keep up with the supply and demand issues. So if you're buying a home and you need to understand these contracts, you can reach out to the East Side real estate team. We'll be happy to share with you some strategies to help you. And sellers know what you're getting into. So if you're signing a contract into mutual acceptance, know that there are some triggers here that may cause that house to fall out and you don't want that to happen. It's bad for your um, it's bad for your transaction because you don't want a transaction to fall apart and you need to know what levers are available to a buyer because if you lose that contract, you may not get the same price the next time you get you go back on that market. So all right, so that is all I have to say. And if, uh, if you would like any more information regarding your specific scenario, whether you're a buyer or seller, I'd be happy to talk to you. You can reach us at the eastsiderealestateteam.com. You can give us a call at 425-200-4093. That's 425 4093 That concludes our Real Talk for today. Like I said, if you're interested in this and other topics, you can find us on our um, YouTube channel. Um, just... Go to YouTube and search the Eastside Real Estate Team and our website under the Eastside Real Estate Team slash blog. All right. Thanks for listening. Now, up next, we are going to um, we're going to talk to Vanessa Leitenberger with Mindfully Smart Finance. But first, this episode of the Seattle's Eastside podcast is sponsored by the Sammamish Chamber of Commerce. Now, the Samamis Chamber of Commerce has a reputation of being a friendly and welcoming Ch- uh, chamber. It's their pro- priority to promote all markets uh, for all of their members as business associates, and they find ideas and tools to help each other. There's a variety of business members who have the wisdom and knowledge you need. Join the chamber and add partners and associates to your business. You can contact Deb at deb at That's deb at You can also call her at 425 681 4910. Call now. And for more information, go to www.samamishchamber.org. Now back to our show. So, you are watching the Seattle Eastside Real Estate Podcast. I'm here with Vanessa um, Leitenberger of Mindly, Mindfully Smart Finance. We're going to discuss the importance of having a financial co- coach in your circle. Vanessa is a CPA and financial coach with a mission to help individuals and business owners live a life that they love without financial stress to overwhelm. She works with women to provide clarity and confidence and to make wise decisions in their most important goals and priorities. Vanessa has worked in corporate accounting for over 10 years and received her CPA in 2016. She loves working with numbers and understands the story they tell but it's even more so she loves helping others find power in those numbers as well. Vanessa started Mindfully Smart Finance to encourage other other women to take control of their finances. She's created a community of women that have a safe space to discuss and ask questions about money free of judgment. As a financial coach, she empowers you to feel confident and knowledgeable about your finances by providing you with tools you need to set and reach your goals and plan for your future finance is not one size fits all and receiving personalized guidance enables you to have a plan that fits your needs and desires. So providing you with the necessary tools you need to achieve your dreams is her priority. Wow, that was a mouthful, Vanessa. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: (laughs) All right. So let's start at the top. How did you get started in financial coaching?
1: Yeah, So like you said, I am a CPA and I've worked in corporate accounting for the last decade and I love accounting. Um, I love my job, but I found that I really like working with other people and seeing them and helping them achieve their financial goals. So I started out helping some family and friends, just sharing some of the information that I have and some of the tools that I've gained over time. And I found that there was really a need for this service. So, um, and I gained so much satisfaction out of watching them grow in their confidence and just feeling more secure in their finances. Um, So, and then I also went, so I went to a conference and um, it was a business conference of all entrepreneurs. And in that conference realized, oh, there's a lot of business owners that don't know their business financials. So I realized that having a business that helped people with their finances, both personally and in their small businesses is a really big need. I really like doing both. So um, my company does have two pieces um, where I help on the personal finance side and the business finance side.
0: So how do you see financial coaching being different than say a financial advisor?
1: Yeah, so I get that question a lot because um, some of the things that I help people with is very similar, but there are some very big differences. For one, I am not licensed to sell investments or insurance and I never take control of your money or provide specific investment advice. So my product is my service and using my knowledge and experience to help my clients gain financial peace. So we'll work on where you currently are, understand where your money is going and then begin aligning your spending with your goals And values. I'm huge on intentional spending and just kind of being more aware of where your money is going and then ensuring that you're matching up your spending with what is truly important to you and the things that make you happy. So, um, this is why everyone's financial financial journey is a little bit different because everyone's values and what's important to them is different. So, I really work individually with everyone um, on what they they
0: love, <laughs> I intentionally like spending money too. And I, I mean yeah. that sort of funny in a, in a funny way, but at the same time, like when you have the freedom to know I can go ahead and do this, this is okay. Yeah. Whether it be frivolous or whether it be, you know, just on yourself or whatever, but just to have that freedom is really um, it's really uh, freeing. Sorry to use the same exactly. term.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: That's excellent. So what do you uh, see are the benefits to working with a coach?
1: So the benefits include obviously all of the tools and the financial knowledge that you're going to gain but also the accountability and the um sort of the the huge a big part of it is the one-on-one individual goals and like journey like i'm going to be able to work with you on what is important to you um and then also the accountability of being able to stick to your goal so everyone knows it's easy to create a goal and set a goal but sticking to it and actually achieving that goal is really hard. So having someone on your side to hold you accountable and ensure that you're reaching those goals is really important. Helping you change those habits.
0: (laughs) Well, and I would say as a a proponent of coaching, because I do believe that, you know, even the greatest athletes get, get coached, you know, I myself have a, have a coach. It's really important to have somebody see it from the outside and, and, a lot of these financial, uh, or things that we struggle with about finances are similar, right? So it goes across yeah. the, so it's like, you can, you can kind of try and figure your way out of the paper bag, or you can have somebody who says who's helped many get out of the paper bag, um, efficiently, um, give you that, that perspective, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So, um, I'd love for you to share with me, and I I I go a little off script sometimes, but I'd love for you to share with me what is like your your favorite success story of helping someone.
1: That's a good one. Um, so, like I said, I really enjoy being able to see everyone's confidence grow and have them feel like they are empowered. Um, but my favorite is working with works with someone who. Came to me sort of not really even knowing if they had enough to get by on. And after working with them, you know, for the three months, they were putting money in, putting money away into savings. Um, and then they actually were able to buy a house. So to go awesome. from being like, I don't know if I can pay my bills to buying a house is huge and so exciting.
0: <laughs> That's super rewarding. Great story. Yeah. And it fits right in with what we do here. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, a really so- big
1: goal for a lot of people is being able to buy a home.
0: It really is. And, um, you know, from my end, I love to help people with that, you know, and, and I think they are linked, right? Having that financial um, confidence to intentionally buy something and say, look, right. I did that. That was, that yeah. was something that I, I put my mind to. It's really rewarding. That's great. Yeah. So what are the type of clients that you work with?
1: So the, on the personal finance side, a lot of the people I work with are those that make decent money, but still, still feel like um, they're a step behind and they're just not quite getting ahead. Um, Just helping them get their arms around all of their money, where it's really going. And like I said, be more intentional with it. Um, And then on the business side it's a lot of um, solopreneurs or those with like five employees or less a lot of times the people that I've worked with it's they've turned a hobby into a business so this hobby that and there's a lot of mindset shift in that because they see this as a hobby they're doing this because it's fun and they enjoy it and trying to shift that into okay this is a business you need to be making smart financial decisions so that you can continue to do this and not just lose money on it
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've gone through an evolution. I've been doing real estate for 14 years and it started out, right, just as, okay, I've got 1099, you know, and I'm going to do this to where I'm actually fully incorporated. And now I'm actually watching budgets and and I see, you know, what, how to get in alignment with budget. So I would say, you know, from a business standpoint, it doesn't have to be all the way in, but also too, you, you turn yourself into a real business when you have a budget like that's a whole different thing that's and and i you know i hate to use the word budget but i mean when people look at PLs, they're like are we on budget for last year that's a that is a business otherwise it's a hobby it's an entrepreneurial it's not the same thing so um and how how deep into that process do you go
1: um with the small businesses yep yeah so i it kind of depends on the client what their businesses is and what their goals are. Um, some of them, it's just sort of helping them understand, is this a valid business that I could make money off of? How much money would I need to bring in to be able to be profitable? Um, and then for others, it's like, I'm an established business. I've been doing this for years, but I'm still not really sure that I'm making the best decisions to continue being in, in business. So um, a lot of those businesses have a tax preparer. They have a bookkeeper but they don't have that CFO type role that big, you know, corporations and big businesses have, excuse me. Um, So I kind of help just bring in that um, financial piece um, that they can have someone a little bit more to rely on. Um, They'll say, oh, my CPA said this, or my bookkeeper told me this, but they don't really understand what that means. So now I can kind of interpret that and then say, okay, you need to ask these questions, or, you know, I can ask them questions to be able to just be that kind of um, middle man.
0: Vanessa, what are those pain points that businesses um, would recognize um, that they would need a financial coach for?
1: Yeah. So a lot of the questions that I get are um, companies that someone who's in business, but isn't making a profit and they want to be able to make a profit. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one is, am I charging enough? Um, being able to help with pricing and understanding the actual, like the actual cost of your business. So taking a look at that, Um, let's see, those are the two big ones. And then, and like kind of understanding like the buckets of how much should I be spending on my expenses? How much should I pay myself? How much should I be saving um, for, you know, reinvestment into my business?
0: Yeah, depending on the business, right? Some of them may be working from a cash flow issue, right? Where they're just kind of yeah. going month over month, where others are are saying, well, how many cash reserves should I be building? And then how do I, you know, how do I know when it's time to expand or add another employee? Right. So so those those decisions, there, I don't know that there's a lot of guidebooks out there like when to make yeah. those smart financial decisions for for a small business. So I think that's really have, awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of like you hear so many business owners like oh it's a tax write off i'm i'm buying this cuz it's a tax write off so it's sort of like i'm coming in to be like yes that is possibly a tax write off but do you need it let's let's look at the actual value and look at the things that you um you, you're going to get a return on
0: i've never said that never
1: <laughs> i'm sure not
0: <laughs> i need it i really need it okay cool um so then lastly um what additional resources or promotions do you offer any of our viewers that, that are watching right now or later?
1: Yeah, so I've, I um, I always offer a free consult to new clients. That way, if they do have questions and they're like, well, I don't really know if I need a coach or want to like kind of dig into a little bit more of how I could help them or, you know, if they have questions I can answer them. Um, so I always do a free consult. Um, I also have a free budgeting tool that I can send. And I did also, um, just recently, I have a tax prep checklist, checklist for um, both individuals and, um, you know, touches on some business things that they should have. That way, when they go to their tax prepare, they're more prepared.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, so what are the two things, a tax uh, preparation checklist and what else?
1: Um, and I also have a budget template.
0: A budget with template. With
1: instructions. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, excellent. So how do our viewers get a hold of you?
1: They can email me at Vanessa at mindfullysmartfinance.com um, or I'm on Instagram at Vanessa Linenberger. So either way.
0: All right. And that's Vanessa Linenberger. Uh, oh, I see this accountable.network. Is that, is that a?
1: a yes, UR? yes. So I have my, <laughs> yeah, my mindfullysmartfinance.com <laughs> like website is under construction. Okay. So that long one is my, uh, my, my, uh,
0: Accountable.network slash Vanessa website. Okay. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Vanessa, I want to thank you for coming on. I think that this is always the not so fun, sexy side of, of businesses and, and even small business or individuals, right? Is, is having somebody hold us accountable to finances. It feels wrong, but I'm here to tell you that I have somebody keeping me accountable. I'm looking at my numbers all the time. It's not fun, but I can tell you it actually has... You, you have this feeling of confidence when you can look at those numbers and, 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 and this part is the part that's the most fun for me is when I can look at it and say, okay, so when I get there, that means that's, that's achieving my goal break even. And then this is my plus, right? So I have a metric that I can look at and um, you know, to have somebody there on your side, helping getting you there is super important. So um, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. Next up after, uh, I don't know if we have, maybe we don't have a break. Let me just look, nope, no break. But I do believe we're gonna be welcoming our, uh, our favorite favorite broker partner, Erica Mir. So I'm just letting her into the room here so that she can uh, um, welcome in our Stump the Broker segment. Erica, are you there?
2: Yes, I'm here, but in my head, that's not working.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, that's okay. What's your question for the day?
2: um uh, question is a buyer is ready to buy pre-approved but the friend is saying no don't buy now because the house market is going to crash it's what they say so i have my opinion based on what i read and i read How about you you want yeah. me to tell mine first
0: what's that oh yeah well you, you were welcome to hear your opinion yeah what do you think what would you tell them
2: so based on what I read and what I, you, we, we learned, I would say buy right now <laughs> for some reasons. Um, existing home sales, we hope the inventory is going to get better. Usually that happens in uh, spring that is coming. Uh, existing home sales are going up 9%, newly built 21% and what is coming? Home price is going to go up between 3 to 8%. That is the prediction.
0: Yeah, now that's a nationwide prediction. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I'd love to see more new homes being built in our area. Um, they just can't build them fast enough. But I think uh, what, you, what you say there, is, I mean, okay, it's easy to say buy now, right? We're in the business of, of, of doing that. And I think there are two reasons that people buy. One is in order to have a home to live in. And two is in order to see a nest egg appreciate, right? So those are two of the major reasons. Some, nobody ever buys a home as an investment. Uh, That's not true. Investors will buy a home as an investment. But what I mean by that is a homeowner that's moving into a home doesn't, you shouldn't look at it as an investment. So my question back to that buyer would be, what is your reason for buying a home? What is your motivation Is it strictly investment? Because I can find you lots of investments in homes that will turn a profit, right? But we have to calculate that as an investor. However, if you're buying a home to live in, there's another factor, including the appreciation that you're talking about. And that is the place to live. You're gonna need to live somewhere. You're either paying your mortgage or paying someone else's. But the major concern in this question is that there's a crash right around the corner. And I would definitely consider what may be coming as a correction in the market if if that could be believed but it's probably more likely to be a slowdown in the market than a crash the reason why that is is the reason for our crash the the one that was the most unprecedented in 2008 had everything to do with finances and it had nothing to do with the market we are currently in a spot where it's about the market the market is so hot because there is a lack of supply and because of this lack of supply, unless it changes overnight, you're going to be sitting there with it. So really, it's it comes down to the motivation of the questioner. Do they plan on living in this house? Do they plan on spending five years in the home? If, they, if that's the case, then there's absolutely no reason to be concerned. Things may change. Things may go up. They may go down. I bought my house in 2001. Um, I still live in that same home. So I saw the value go up, and I saw it go down, and I've seen it come back. Right. And we're better off now having lived there and, and raising our children there. That's my story. Your story may be different.
2: Yeah. So yeah. And so we know here in Washington we always have short inventory, you know, it's never enough. People just move into Washington. It's more likely in Washington area. And also I read about um, the how many days the house is going to be on the market. For Washington, they said 16 to 30 days i would say maybe 16 to 30 hours <laughs>
0: <laughs> right yes yeah absolutely and also, uh
2: the market crash they are, there's not a crash but they are talking about that it's going to slow down a little bit in 2024 so we are a little far from 2024
0: yeah right? absolutely
2: i have another question here no
0: you only get one no go ahead
2: <laughs> uh, was what is your what socks color <laughs>
0: What? <laughs> you get out of here. <laughs> He's so funny. All right. So thank you for joining us today. And uh, I would like to thank our guest Vanessa for joining us. Thanks for joining us today. Did you have fun?
1: Yes, this is so great. Thank you for having me.
0: You bet. Now, if anybody else knows anyone out there that would benefit from coming on our show, we're all about sharing what's going on on the East side. So if you have a restaurant, a business or, and you'd like to be a part of the show, feel free to email us or reach out to anybody on our team. And if you're trying to decide if it's the right time to buy or sell, let's connect. You can reach us on our website. You can call us directly Instagram. We're all over the place. If you can't find us, it's your fault because we're everywhere. Um, We just want to thank you for joining us and I hope this podcast was great. Um, Have a wonderful week. We'll see you guys later.